0: This is
5: My Guys in the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on vSIN, the sports
0: betting network.
5: Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook here in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's my guys in the desert here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You can always follow along on Twitter at Scott S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R, or all of us on the network at V Live. We got a couple of major league baseball games in progress right now. We have the uh Rockies with a 3-2 lead, bottom of the fourth inning. Over the Padres. Uh, One game has actually just gone final. The Marlins with a 3-2 win over the Pirates. Walking it off in 11 innings. Open championship is also in progress at St. Andrews. And Cam Young with an impressive opening round. 8 under par. Rory McIlroy 6 under. Cam Smith. So if you like betting the two Cams. He's at 5-under, and then you got Kurt Kitayama, uh, who our very own Matt Humans, I believe, told me to bet on. He's at 4-under, uh, group of golfers at 4-under, including Scotty Scheffler and Dustin Johnson. But your leader is Cameron Young right now with an opening round 64. Tiger Woods, you're wondering how he did in his opening round? How about a 6-over 78 the scorecard not good for tiger two bogeys on the uh third and fourth holes on the front nine bogey on 11 bogey on 13 bogey on 16 double bogey on one double bogey on seven so an opening round 78 not good for tiger woods there at St. Andrews. Uh, So that's the latest going on. We'll give you the updated odds throughout the program here as we get ready for the second round, which will get underway later on this evening. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Once again, it's my guys in the desert here on v the Sports Betting Network. And the biggest story in Major League Baseball from last night into today has been the shift in the American League MVP market As it relates to Shohei Ohtani. Shohei Ohtani had another phenomenal outing in his start yesterday against the Houston Astros. And there's been a lot of people who are talking about Ohtani to be the American League MVP here on this network. No one's been shy about it. I know the guys on Follow the Money have uh, had Otani. You have uh, Jason Winegarden, host of the Wide World of Winegarden podcast, who hit on Otani last year, has uh, been on Otani again this year, and look, the numbers back it up. You see, he's the favorite right now, as he has surpassed Aaron Judge and uh, Alden Gonzalez from ESPN tweeted out last night the stats that, well, they speak for themselves. Over the last 34 calendar days, Shohei Otani. A .45 ERA, 58 strikeouts, 11 walks in 39 and two-thirds innings pitched. And hitting-wise, a two eighty seven three 393, 604 slash line with eight homers in just 29 games. Those are fantastic numbers. And I understand why people would rush to bet him to be the most valuable player. I am on the opposite side of this, however. And people might call me a hater. I assure you, I am not trying to disrespect Shohei Ohtani. And I'm not trying to disrespect anybody who thinks that Ohtani should be the most valuable player this year. In fact, I think Otani's the most valuable player every year. I say this on my show, The Look Ahead, all the time. When LeBron James was in his height and winning four MVPs out of five years, you know, Derrick Rose won in between the the two back-to-back MVP years for LeBron, the argument could have been made, and in fact, it was made, that LeBron James is the best basketball player on the planet. It makes no sense. There's nobody else in the NBA or in the world that you would choose to be on your team before LeBron James. And thus, you could say, He earns the MVP award every single season. But at some point, you have to say, we're not just going to give him the award every year. We're going to award the player that puts up the best numbers. The guy who did the best, maybe on a winning team or whatever. And so it opens it up for other players. I know it's only been a year, but that's what it is for Shohei Otani. Because I get it, I understand. If he's going to be an all-star pitcher and an all-star hitter, then Otani's the most valuable asset we have in Major League Baseball. There's no other player that you would rather have because one player is satisfying two needs. He's an important hitter for you, oftentimes at the top of the lineup, leading off. And he's an important pitcher for you, because he's picking up these wins, he's picking up the strikeouts, and he's leading you to victories. Like Otani, the I believe the Angels have won his last five starts, which is great. Because some people say, you know, when when you bring up the argument that it's his team's a losing team, you can argue and just say, well, the only time they win is if Otani pitches. Although I would counter that argument and I would say, yeah, as of late, They've won his last 5 starts, but overall on the season, they're just 9 and 6 in Shohei Ohtani starts, meaning at one at one point during this season, they were 4 and 6 in Ohtani starts. How valuable is he? When the team is going 4 and 6 in your starts, you don't perform in the midst of a 14 game losing streak, your team is 39 and 50 and won't make the postseason. You see, in my opinion, and it's just an opinion, you can have yours, I can have mine. The novelty is not enough to give him the MVP award. We did that last year. And last year, he put up phenomenal numbers. What, do he have? 47 homers last year? He put up great numbers. But if you just look at the hitting in the American League, Shohei Otani doesn't rank in the top seven of really any major offensive category. He is right now ninth in home runs. He is 8th in RBIs. He is well outside the top 10 in batting average. In OPS, he's 12th in OPS. So what am I awarding him if he's at Best, the highest rank he has is 8th in RBIs. And then pitching-wise, in the American League, he's, okay, 4th in strikeouts. That's great. I'm going to give him that, 4th in strikeouts. He's right now 4th in whip. In terms of his ERA, he's 5th in ERA and wins. Well, we don't even count wins for pitchers, but he's nowhere near the top. So at the very best, he ranks fourth out of pitchers in the American League. At the very best, he's eighth out of hitters in the American League. I can't name him the most valuable player just because of the novelty that that he pitches once a week. (laughs) Excuse me. And he contributes offensively. Because pitching once a week is great. But again, the team is 9-6 and in his starts. Yes, he's putting up great strikeout numbers. Yes, his last five starts have been incredible. But you know what? Nestor Cortez, at the beginning of the year for the Yankees, put together just as good of a stretch, if not a better stretch, of starts. And yeah, at one point, he was climbing up the ranks to be the American League Cy Young, but you didn't see people naming him. As the American League Cy Young Award winner. In terms of the most valuable player. Let's look at a guy in Jordan Alvarez. Who's 10 to 1 or 12 to 1 right now. Who leads the American League in OPS. With a 1.058. Who leads the American League in slugging. At 653. Who is 7th in the American League in batting average at 3.06, who's second in the American League in home runs at 26, who's third in the American League in RBIs in 60. Oh, and he's only struck out 57 times. Whereas Aaron Judge has struck out 97 times. And yes, I know there's about a 50 at-bat difference because Alvarez has played 10 less games. But that's 40 more strikeouts in 10 games. Come on. I get it. It's awesome. This guy pitches. He hits. It's fantastic. We haven't seen anybody do that before. Although I would argue that there have been some really good hitting pitchers throughout the history of baseball that never got a chance to be an everyday batter. I'm not saying they would put better offensive numbers up than Shohei Otani. I'm just saying... We haven't seen it. And I don't think we're ever going to see it again because as these players rise through up the ranks in the minors, they're not going to get an opportunity to bat every day. Otani, what he's doing is fantastic. Most valuable player. I got to give it to somebody else right now, and that somebody else is your Don Alvarez. The VSIN Summer Special is here for only $19. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up today, you'll get VSIN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. So if you want the full VSIN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Points Red Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now, vcin.com slash summer. Scott Seidenberg here with you. This is my guys in the desert. Coming up next, we'll head out to the Summer League here in Vegas. Welcome in our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel, on vcin, the sports betting network.
4: You're listening to My
5: Guys of the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN will be broadcasting live from the NBA Summer League now through July 17th. Catch the edge with Jonathan von Tobel and Matt Humans at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, live from the NBA Summer League every weekday. We'll also have special guests, exclusive content, and live updates all throughout VSIN shows. For more, follow us at VSIN Live on Twitter and at VSIN Live on YouTube. Scott Sattenberg in for Stormy. It's My Guys in the Desert here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, as we head out to Thomas and Max site of the NBA Summer League. And we welcome in our very own senior NBA analyst, the co host of The Edge, Jonathan Von Tobel. And JVT, uh, how's the atmosphere been there? How, how's everyone treating you over at the Summer League?
2: Well, uh, if everybody's treating me pretty well. Actually, humans and I were just talking about this uh, yesterday. This is the cool part about the summer league, people run into. Uh, we were cutting up with Joey Crawford and company yesterday, right after the show, just right out here, <laughs> waiting to use the desk. So it's, it's been pretty cool to kind of run into people, uh, network a little bit, talk to them, but also just more importantly, watch basketball and see some of these young guys up close and some of the second year players up close, guys going into their second year that look really good. There's been quite a few of them. So you know me, man. I, I love NBA, so it's been cool to come out here, even though the basketball's been kind of eh, uh, it's been cool to watch these dudes up close and just watch some hoops out here in july
5: well before we get into the big news of the day in the nba and we'll talk about some signings and some trade possibilities let's stick to the summer league real quick a a huge matchup tomorrow between the thunder and the warriors because as it's scheduled chet holmgren james wiseman what are you expecting to see between these two big men and what do you think it'll tell you this matchup about both players
2: yeah, and here's the thing, and you alluded to something very important as scheduled. Uh, we have seen now multiple times, right, the Orlando Magic decided, hey, you know what, Paolo Mancaro, he's be good. We don't need to see enough. We've seen enough of him. Let's shut him down. And you might see the same thing with Chet Holmgren, potentially for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, but I think for me at least, Sky, like, I think this is important for James Wiseman than it would be for Chet Holmgren. Holmgren's a rookie. He's got some pretty good, like, miles on him right now, at least in terms of summer league minutes, right, played in that Salt Lake Summer, uh, Salt Lake summer League, has been playing here as well. Uh, So maybe there's a pretty good chance you don't see him. But I think for Wiseman, when you look at, you want to see him a little bit more comfortable. We haven't seen him play basketball in essentially over a year. He's looked okay in his minutes in the summer league up to this point too. I think this means more for James Wiseman than it would be for Chet Holmgren because you want him to get more comfortable. You just want to see him feel more comfortable as a basketball player. But if they both play, I think you're definitely looking forward to it and you're looking to see what Wiseman, the more physically mature dude, can do against Chet Holmgren who a lot of people have thought, yeah, maybe the weakness is the light body weight, and we saw Kenneth Lofton Jr. do it to him early in the Salt League Summer League, uh, where he just kind of took it to him a little bit. So I think that's what I'm at least looking for there.
5: Quentin Grimes has looked great for my Knicks, JVT. Uh, But he is a player that is being rumored to be a part of any type of package to acquire Donovan Mitchell. You know, the Knicks have the assets. They have eight tradable first-round picks, and they have young players like Quentin Grimes to maybe make this deal happen without having to give up R.J. Barrett. Is that kind of a conversation that's going around there with the Knicks Summer League team?
2: Yeah, we were talking about this. Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe was one with us earlier today, and we discussed that a little bit. And yeah, like Quentin Grimes. And this is too, Scott, like a lot of people say, well, Summer League means nothing. In the general sense of how you rate players, it doesn't mean anything. But when you talk about increasing the value of certain players, it totally means a lot. And Quentin Grimes is one of those guys. You see that if your second-year players are participating, meaning guys going into their second year, like, or maybe in third years, yeah, maybe, you should really be here. But regardless, those guys going into their second years, you want to see them at least look like the better player on the floor. And, you know, talking with like Amin El-Hassan, former Phoenix Suns executive the other day, he said it's not necessarily scoring, but in terms of his comfort level on the floor, the way they run the offense or the way that they run their sets, things like that, and Quentin Grimes has been. So this summer league has really, I think, boosted his stock a little bit. So to your point, now he's potentially part of a package that gets you Donovan Mitchell, that cuts down on the draft picks that you have to ship out, or the players, as you mentioned, R.J. Barrett uh, being one of those, and the Jazz are rumored to be kind of intrigued by Quentin Grimes. So, yeah, it's been a good summer league for him, and that's why this matchup tomorrow, it's going to be really intriguing. They're playing the Orlando Magic. make uh, The Knicks right now first place in the summer league. They have the best point differential. Uh, They are the leading record-wise right now at 2-1. There's a bunch of teams at 2-1. One, if they win, they would essentially send their place in there, and a lot of people care about that, right? There are futures available. Um, but at the same time, did the Knicks sit back and go, yeah, you might be shipped off here. Well, let's pull him, and let's, you know, we don't want to push this with him. So it's going to be pretty intriguing. But big game for him and bigger picture here, big moment in the New York Knicks that they can go and get Donovan Mitchell.
5: And look, if you keep R.J. Barrett, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, all 25 years or younger. That's a really good nucleus to start with. Could the Knicks, if they make this move and they keep R.J. Barrett, are they a top five team in the Eastern Conference?
2: I think that's strong. I, I, I still think when you're talking about it, again, we don't know what's going to go, but I still think Donovan Mitchell, you have a lot of questions about how good he's going to be defensively. And we saw there were a lot of low lights of him on the defensive end of the floor when he was playing with Utah, especially this last year when they lost to the Dallas Mavericks. With uh, Jalen Brunson, a very good guard, but somewhat undersized. And so against bigger guards, too, he's going to struggle in those matchups on the defensive end of the floor as well. And, and R.J. Barrett, one of the questions you have about him, we were talking with Tom Havishaw about this the other day, it was the fact that the three-point shooting, his offensive game has been very very inconsistent we don't really know what he is so I agree with you in the sense that that's an intriguing young core and that intriguing starting point but for me if you want to be a top five team in the Eastern Conference which gotten a lot deeper and we're talking about just off the top Philadelphia Boston Milwaukee Miami depending on who they get right uh, and Atlanta even when we're talking about their acquisition of DeJounte Murray I find it hard to place them amongst those teams even if they get Donovan Mitchell
5: Let's talk about the big news of the day. DeAndre Ayton gets the max offer from the Pacers. There's no way Phoenix matches this, right?
2: So it's interesting because uh, uh, Woj had this weirdly uh, worded report that they have shown no inclination uh, as of this moment that they're going to do it, but the expectation is that they will. And the important thing is, too, is, well, you might think, well, why would they do that? I think the thing would be, well, they want him so that they can use him as a trade asset. Mm. The trick is, though, because it's an offer sheet, this is where it gets fascinating. He has the power if the Suns do sign him as the offer. He can veto any trade that he wants within the next year. So let's say that they sign him. They can't trade him to January 15th. That's another part of this whole thing. And even if they get to that point and they say, we're going to trade you to Brooklyn, Aiden's got the power to go up now and veto it if he doesn't want to go to Brooklyn. So it's super interesting in terms of what's going to happen after this. But we know he wants to in the offer sheet. According to some reports, it seems like the Suns will match it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that automatically that now they have a package for Kevin Durant. And that's the other part of this, right? If they sign him, if they retain him, if the plan is to move him January 15th again, he can't be moved until then. He would be part of a package, which would mean that Kevin Durant is potentially still on Brooklyn until January 15th. This is
5: crazy because, you know, they have
2: made it known, or at
5: least they did before, the Phoenix Suns, that they don't think he's worth a max contract. And if they do match it and they give him this largest offer here, it crushes their salary cap. So what do the Phoenix Suns look like this season with the DeAndre Ayton who gets benched in the playoffs, has it out with Monty Williams, and now is taking up the majority of your salary cap?
2: Yeah, that, That's the interesting part. Like, It's a risk. If Again, if he has the power to say no to whatever trade he wants over the course of the calendar year, once that January 15th mark hits, you're signing him, I would assume, and this is just the case, and you talk to him and with the understanding that we're going to sign you, we're going to be able to trade you January 15th, are willing to make that happen, right? Because I don't think they're signing him, retaining him for that first part of the season with the risk and unknown that he's going to veto something and then they're just stuck there with DeAndre the Ayton in a deal that he doesn't want to be a part of or something like that. Like That doesn't seem like a very cohesive situation. So I would assume if do sign that offer, it's just so that they can use him to flip him when they go forward in that January 15th deadline. So that just means that, you know, you're just going to be locked in for a little bit once this year starts, but once the deadline hits, he would be out. But I would say, and what you're kind of alluding to there, I, I just, I don't think DeAndre is part of the long-term plans here for Phoenix. Whether it's signing him this offer sheet and flipping him, or just letting him walk for nothing, I just don't see how he is part of Phoenix's roster once we get, you know, once we get past the trade, we'll say, of this next coming regular season.
5: If they let him walk for nothing i mean he goes to indiana is that just nba purgatory
2: yeah, it seems like it. I will say, like, Indiana, they have some intriguing pieces. We saw some of them on display out here in the summer league. Uh, Benedict McFerrin is really, really good for the Indiana Pacers. Chris Duarte, before he got shut down, looked really good. David know another intriguing young piece. Andrew Nemhart has looked really solid in them for minutes, too. And they just cut Dwayne Washington because they had to make cap space. So Dwayne Washington is not part of that team anymore. But there's some intriguing young pieces here on top of what we already know, right? Ty- Tyrese Halliburton for Indiana, too. So, I like, purgatory in the sense that they're kind of going to be Indiana again, right? Like they're going to compete for like a play-in and like a 9-10, 8-seed. But if you're like, if you're making a list of teams that you want to bet on for NBA Finals, you're not circling Indiana anytime soon. So I guess they're happy with being in that range. No, we, we will not be betting on the Pacers to win the Eastern no. Conference or the NBA Finals. JVT, appreciate
5: the time and the conversation. Uh, continue to have a blast and do great work for us over there at the Summer League. It's good to talk to you, man. Thank you. There he is. Our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel. You catch him co-hosting The Edge Monday through Friday here on the network as we are broadcasting live from Thomas and Max site of the NBA Summer League here in Vegas. Also, hardwood handicappers available vcinn.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm kind of fascinated by this this DeAndre Ayton situation because the Suns, they made no secrets. They didn't think that he's worth the max deal. Now he gets this max offer. And I just think that if they if they matched it, I understand you don't want to lose a guy for nothing because if they let him walk, they don't get any compensation back. But it would really, really crush their future plans if they were to retain him, use that much of their salary cap. And as JVT said, you can't trade him until January 15th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is my guys in the desert here on vsin the Sports Betting Network.
2: You're listening
5: to My Guys of the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on v the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C., Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. In for Stormy, I'm Scott Seidenberg here on My Guys in the Desert on v the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. An interesting series set to begin tonight north of the border in Canada. That's up in Canada, eh? Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays will take on the Kansas City Royals, and Kansas City will be without 10 players due to their vaccination status. If you're unvaccinated, then you don't allow to travel into the country. So the 10 players that will not be available for the Kansas City Royals for this series against the Blue Jays, their all-star outfielder, Andrew Benintendi, who a lot of teams are inquiring about in the trade market, Whit Merrifield; both catchers, MJ Melendez and Cam Gallagher. Hunter Dozier plays first base in the outfield. Uh, Michael A. Taylor, their center fielder, their backup outfielder. Kyle Isbell, right-handers Brad Keller and Brady Singer. And Dylan Coleman, a relief pitcher as well. This team is going to be filled with a bunch of double-A and AAA players to fill this roster for this series. Remember the movie Major League 3 when uh, we got the, you know, answer to if a minor league team could beat a major league team? I get it. Minor league team plays with heart and fundamentals and all that stuff. And the major league team you know, didn't really work out with the twins against the buzz. Terrible movie, by the way. Uh, but this is what we're going to get here. The Toronto Blue Jays are essentially playing against the Omaha Storm Chasers, which is the AAA affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. Nearly 40% of the 26-man roster has been left home. And so they had to call up a bunch of these young kids to fill up this roster, and here's what they did. Nick Prado gets recalled. They purchased the contracts of infielders Nate Eaton and Michael Massey, catcher Freddie Furman, outfielder Brewer Hinklin, all from AAA Omaha. They recalled infielder Michael Garcia, catcher Sebastian Rivero, left-hander Angel Zerpa from AA Northwest Kansas. And look on the screen. There's your starting lineup for the Kansas City Royals, which if you – Read this lineup to make another Major League reference. um, Who are these guys? <laughs> right, Who are these guys right now for the Kansas City Royals? Let me read through the lineup. Get it for you. Oliveras, Witt Jr., Pasquantino. These are guys that are all already playing at the Major League level. Vinny Pasquantino is the guy that they just recently called up. When they traded away Carlos Santana, they wanted to give this uh, big slugger some at vets. Oliveira, O'Hearn, Prado, Eaton, Nicky Lopez, Rivero, and Zerpa, who gets the start. Angel Zerpa gets the start being called up from double A. You can't make this line high enough for the Blue Jays against the Royals. The highest I've seen, Blue Jays minus 380. And even on the run line, Blue Jays on the run line, minus 190. I mean, I would play it. It's just juicy as heck. Uh, Yeah, minus 190 is the lowest price I'm seeing on the run line. Minus 380, highest I've seen on the money line. And I think, you know, one of my plays today is probably going to be putting the Blue Jays in a money line parlay with somebody. Not only is this a A, double-A, triple-A lineup, but they have to go up against Kevin Gosman, who's the ace of this Blue Jays staff. And Gosman hasn't pitched since uh, July 2nd. Remember, he took that comebacker against the um, Tampa Bay Rays and had to leave the game after two innings. So he hasn't pitched since then. X-rays were negative. He skipped the start. Now he's back. I would expect Gosman to shut this team down and for the Blue Jays to roll to an easy victory. In fact, a lot of our hosts here on v are jumping on the Blue Jays and Kevin Gosman as a part of our baseball betting pentathlon. The final event or the final pick that we have to make here on Thursday is a prop bet selection. And some of our hosts are taking advantage of this Blue Jays-Royals situation in betting on the props. For instance, uh the guys at Odds On, Amal Shah, Mike Pum, have placed a prop wager on no Royals and Blue Jays, both teams to score. Now, I actually like this one a lot. I'm not going to copy off of them. I'm going to try and create my own here, but I like this a lot, especially at the number you're getting about plus 500 at Caesars. And... I think that this could very well be a shutout victory for the Blue Jays. Unless you're telling me that like Vinny Pasquantino hits a home run or Bobby Witt Jr. gets a triple and winds up scoring on a Pasquintino double. I don't know how this Royals lineup scores against Kevin Gosman. Maybe against the bullpen, we'll see. I just, if you're telling me the Royals don't score a run, like I like the Royals under two and a half runs in this game. So... Um, both teams to score a no, I like it because I think the Blue Jays win and they could very easily win this thing in a shutout. Just look at the team totals. Blue Jays team total five and a half. The Royals team total two and a half. I like the under two and a half of the Royals. How about primetime action? Oh no, uh, not primetime action. Wes Reynolds has placed a 14 to one prop bet on Kevin Gosman to have the most strikeouts in Major League Baseball here today and that's interesting because i do think he can shut down this lineup mow him down again it's a bunch of single a and uh uh, not single a double a and triple a players gosman though his season high in strikeouts is 10 so that's the only thing that concerns me for wes i'm saying in this bet do i think he could strike out 10 yeah i think he could strike out 10 are there guys that are pitching here on Thursday that could also strike out 10 or double digits? I mean, Kyle Wright faces the Nationals. He could do it. Um, you got, let's see. Um, you know you what? Know, you got Fran Valdez against the Angels, right? That could be a bunch of strikeouts. And you got Corbin Burns and Carlos Rodon both going for the Brewers and the Giants. You could have a bunch of strikeouts there. In fact... Fran Valdez faced the Angels on July 3rd, and he struck out 13 batters. So uh, while I I like backing the Toronto Blue Jays and the way that we are um, positioned in this contest, you got to swing for the fences here with the prop bets. You just you, you gotta try and go for the plus money. You gotta try and go for the deep plus money, especially if you are behind in units, because we're grading this thing based on not wins and losses, it's how much money you win over the the, the past this past week. So um if you're down money, you, you take a you go for a moonshot. For instance, the guys at the nightcap, Tim Murray and Sean King, have decided to place a prop wager on Corbin Burns, eleven or more strikeouts, and the brewers to win and that's at plus 700 odds which would if they hit that would probably win this entire event uh you got corbin burns going up against the giants and uh corbin burns season high in strikeouts is 11. so he's had that twice he had 11 against st louis he had 11 against the giants Actually, the last time he faced them, back on April 25th, Corbin Burns struck out 11 Giants in six and two-thirds shutout innings. So, very doable. Corbin Burns, 11 Ks, and the Giants to it and the, 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 the Brewers to win. Very doable. Uh, Adam Burke has decided to go with a home run prop. Nathaniel Lowe of the Texas Rangers, if he hits a home run, seven to one odds, plus 700. And the Texas Rangers... Are going to be playing the Seattle Mariners. Marco Gonzalez on the Hill, the guy who has given up homers. So that could be doable as well. You got some uh, other, you know, uh, primetime action has decided to go at Framber Valdez, 10 plus strikeouts, and the Astros to win. That's at 10 to 1 odds on FanDuel. That's really juicy. I wouldn't think that that's 10 to 1 odds, but that's what it says here. So Framber Valdez. 10 or more strikeouts and the Astros to win. I can see it happening. As I mentioned, the last time he faced the Angels, he struck out 13, 13. That That's a doable bet, especially against Reed Detmer, is a guy who has not been the same since throwing his no-hitter. I will tell you my prop bet coming up next, and take a look at the Major League Baseball board for this evening right here on My Guys in the Desert on VC, the sports betting network. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one, Yeah, I, Yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard, like, you see him in the Olympics, <laughs> he's going to guard, and then on I'm top of it. like that, see that?
4: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell, to point game. I remember you came out from room crying tears. <laughs> crying tears, I mean, he was in a culture shock, and then
1: he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college, because it ain't me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You're listening to My Guys in the Desert with
5: Stormy Tony on v the sports betting network. Welcome back. to This segment of My Guys in the Desert is presented by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zinn understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. But whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zinn will be there for you. Check out Zyn Nicotine Pouches at Zyn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Back here on My Guys in the Desert on vSyn, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Scott Sadenberg in for Stormy, joined by some special guests in studio. Derek Stevens, Mike Palm here at the Circa. And, uh, you know, I I know you guys were looking forward to seeing Stormy. But you got me.
6: We know she's away at the World Games, so we were very excited to see you, Scott. (laughs) You're in the the daytime hours. I know. I feel like I'm
5: I'm nocturnal. I see the daylight, and I don't know what to... I was driving in, and... I'm seeing things I've never seen before. You know, like, I, I didn't recognize that billboard. I don't recognize that landmark because uh, I'm usually driving in here at night. But it's fun to hang out with you guys. Uh, we've got some Major League Baseball that we're sweating right now. Rockies and the Padres. Uh, you want anything, Mike? What do you guys got going I on got, here?
6: I have uh, in-game over 11.5 in 7 and over 13.5 for the game. So I need a few more runs. I'm mad I didn't. I'm mad I didn't fade Snell as a favorite today. Boy, he's single-handedly killing this Padres team. He is off six walks today. He can't even get to the fifth. And Freeland wasn't much better either, so now we're... You know, five-five going to the bottom of the six. Shashin kind of righted the ship there for uh, for Colorado. It'll be interesting now here. Uh, who gets the next blow? And Freeland's
5: a guy who's been talked about in possible trade scenarios. So not a, not a good audition today. Uh, but we are we have our baseball betting pentathlon going on here at Visin You and Amal have an interesting selection for today's prop bet that I actually like a lot. It's the no on both teams to score, Blue Jays and the Royals, or you might as well call it the Blue Jays against the Omaha Storm Chasers because it's half of their minor league system that will be playing for Kansas City as 10 everyday players unavailable due to their vaccination status.
6: Well, we have to take a shot. We lost our uh, run line play yesterday with Musgrove. So we got to make up basically $2 on Gil. You're ahead of us with your uh, Mets reverse run line and Greg Peterson's ahead of us. So I said to him, well, we got to take something at least three, 350. This was a juicy price at five, and we're just hoping Gaussman and whatever he needs, one or two relievers, can shut out the Royals today. Yeah,
5: I, I think they're good. I actually like the under two and a half on the Royals team total, because I don't know, unless you're telling me it's a, uh, you know, a, a Bobby Witt Jr. double and a Vinny Pasquintino double, that that's how they're going to score their runs. How many people know those names, by the way? Uh, I feel it's like the movie Major League, when they're looking at the paper, and they're like, who are these guys? Well,
6: who's Vinny Pasquintino? <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the game, in t- the series in Tiger Stadium. this guy's hitting fourth and fifth yeah. in the theory. Oh, he got his First basically hit, and he's playing every day now.
5: Yeah, so he's what? the guy they called up when they traded Carlos Santana. They wanted to give this guy more yeah. at-bats. So <laughs> that's the interesting what's going on with the uh, Kansas City Royals slash Omaha Storm Chasers and the latest on our contest here at VEASAN. Speaking of contests, Derek, how's the uh, sign ups been for the football contests?
3: Oh, it's been pretty good. I mean, I think we're pacing all right. Um, the millions have started off a little bit slower than what we thought. The survivors gone a little bit stronger, so we just crossed over a thousand entries last week. Ooh. Are those ladies' glasses? I'm sorry. I'm gonna be staring <laughs> I think they look and great.
6: I, this is like the Seinfeld episode
3: with the blind I know you am I real? Am I, on, but, but. Am I really am I really getting cheaped <laughs> on fashion advice from my my compatriot Mike Paul? Are you kidding me? Oh my yeah. Oh, my. No, I had to do a film shoot this morning. I had to have it all coordinated. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. Go, ahead with, you your, nice go ahead with I your... You got a nice like, suit.
6: Go ahead with your I've contest, always complimented
3: talk. your discussion. My goodness. Go What's ahead. important go is that he can ahead. see. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> I knew there was something going on. <laughs> when he's looking at me. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no, I think I think the million started off a little bit slower, but... I think you know a traditional football contest. When you're guaranteeing six million dollars and you're guaranteeing one point two and quarters, I think you're going to see a lot of people understand, start doing some math as we get to middle to late August and, and understand what type of overlay there is right here. So, I mean, we bumped the we bumped the uh, the the uh, guarantee from four million to six million this year. So we knew that was the one we were going to push. Um, so I think I think that money is going to start coming in late. Um, Survivor. I mean, we went from you know a thousand to four thousand entries last year, and we're guaranteeing the six. I think we're going to get there on Survivor because um, participants in Survivor last year, whether you made it or not, had a pretty good time. There's mm-hmm. a lot of longevity in the contest, and um, I think there's a lot of people that are going to uh, going to buy a few more entries, and I think we're going to bring a few more a few new customers. Now, obviously, we have a worry about. Economy, gas prices, you know, flight costs—can you get here? But, uh, but overall, I feel pretty good that uh, where we're pacing right now.
5: Yeah, I made it to week nine last year when the Cowboys lost to the uh, Denver Broncos as double-digit favorites. That was the end of my circa Survivor entry. Thank you very much, uh, Scott, Denver Broncos. Yeah, I do want to tell you the one thing
3: about <laughs> one thing about millions on Survivor—it's that time of year for me. I'm sitting at the end of the bar now. I'm getting to hear one or two or five more strategy stories every <laughs> night. They're like I said, hey, hey, D, I just signed up. I just signed up. I'm like, what'd you sign up for? They tell me. I go, what's your strategy? What's your strategy? So, um, one, th- one, uh, one thing I put out there. Let, let's take, let's take a very, very uh, highly, uh, highly touted team this year. Uh, I think everyone would agree with the Buffalo Bills is a highly yeah, touted team. Two Bowl favorites. Yep. When you look at Survivor, when you, how do you where do you take the Bills? Now you could look at that schedule, which we sell in our gift shop, of course, <laughs> both the big one and the little one. But when you look at that schedule, when are you going to take the Bills? I'm thinking potentially week eleven. Week eleven. Now we're going to get more information. It's against Cleveland. Yep. It depends about. Uh, it Watson. depends on Deshaun Watson. But week eleven looks to me like the time you take them. There's only two other weeks you could take take uh, the Bills, in my opinion. But when you look at week eleven. That's tough to do because you got the Baltimore Ravens playing at home against Carolina. I think that's the Trump play, so that knocks out the Bills for Week 11. So you revert back to Week 10. And Week 10, they play at home against the Vikings. That might be the play. The only other scenario, and I'm not saying I advocate it, is to take the Bills— on opening Uh, weekend against the Rams. If you are one of those that want to have a guarantee to the second week, because I I know this is not a popular pick. Mm -hmm. I know it's one that I'm not endorsing. But this year with the nuance, if you take the Bills and they get knocked out in week one, you do have the ability to rebuy in on that Friday and Saturday to get back into – back into the contest. So those are the only only ways I see it. Week one against the Rams and mm-hmm. if you blow you, you you have a chance to get back in. Or week ten, week eleven. After that I don't see where you play the Rams.
6: I don't you're, I don't see scared, where they're, you're scared of uh taking on the Jets in Orchard Park and, and... Week 14, that's not a spot you could play him? Well, I get a little. you got to, to week 14. If you don't play division matchups? What are all no, these we, we, theories? We, we certainly Bull do. Bull rush? By, by the way, Mike, I haven't, seen, you know, I haven't seen Derek this fired but, up but, but, since but Michigan realize, beat Ohio realize. State. But realize, realize, I, I so. get
3: that. When you – if you're going to – if you're gonna take the if you're gonna take the Merlin reversal strategy and work your way backwards, I get it. It might look juicy, but when you start in the back and you move forward, you have a little more volatility. You don't know injuries. You know, I, I, you know, the Jets. Yeah, I, I that that kind of looks up. But I get a little leery about getting to Week 14 because you don't know what's going to be left.
6: Now, the leader of the pentathlon right now, Doctor Gil Alexander. VEASAN's tennis expert and unproclaimed baseball expert until maybe this pentathlon <laughs> is over, says you get through week six and then you draw your map. Enough with all the maps at the beginning of the year. Go back. You get to week six and then you find your pathway. Just survive to week six, Gil says.
3: Mike, of course. This is the bull rush option play that you have to bull rush <laughs> now, and then you I, get there. So I don't – here's what you I don't listen Scott, to follow don't the Don't look money. at him,
6: Scott. Don't look I, at him. Well, no, no. <laughs>
3: I, I just – I don't hate
5: the – that the, the interesting rules you are allowed to buy back in
6: that's because he's not going to get to the 6,000 so he needs all these people to buy back in oh play it all it's take these July, two teams it's on July, week one it, it's
5: July 14th we got no we'll, shot we got
6: 1,000 entries uh-huh. in eight weeks, and now we need to get 11,000 in the next eight weeks. This guy claims to be a businessman. He couldn't have read the tea leaves with the recession. He's got to up Some, it. We didn't get to 10. We did 8,100. Now we're going to 12. It's a disaster. It's a massive overlay. It's it's, it's going to be it's huge. A massive overlay. I predict $2.3 million overlay between the two. And Survivor might wow. get there. It might be all in the uh, millions four. Which the four might be the last number you hear behind the million, the millions.
5: Let me tell you something. You have a two million dollar overlay the last week of August.
3: this place is going to be a madhouse. That trumps high flight cost for sure. Yeah. You got a 2000000000 billion, yeah. you're booking your flight. You're booking <laughs> your trade. Yeah, absolutely. Well, people, I
5: mean, listen, everyone has to understand an overlay is good for the contestants. There's more prize money than people that are in the contest with their entries. So a more better chance for you to win this money. And you actually up the prizes on the booby prizes as well, too, right? Yeah, everybody, everybody <laughs> likes the booby prize. And tried a booby. And half a, a booby so as well. Yeah, 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 half yeah. Half
3: Hey, you know, it's just as difficult
5: to go, to, you <laughs> Let, know, to go the... Quick story, we have, we have 30 seconds left. Last season, I was completely out of it, right, at the end of the year. For the final three weeks, I tried to lose on purpose.
6: Then you went 13. I went 4-1 and, two. Four
5: and one, two weeks in a row, <laughs> trying to go 0-5. I went 4-1 and one, two weeks in a row, 8-2, and two, trying to go 0-10. Now, if I would have just done that the entire season, maybe we'd be counting some money here, but no. It's just hard to pick losers. <laughs> yes. Derek Stevens, Mike Palm, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This has been My Guys in the Desert. Lock yourself in. Follow along on Twitter at
0: Live. It's the Sports Betting Network.